This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome. It's a Monday morning wake-up call, the 28th day of June, 2021. A blistering hot day here in the Northeast. Supposed to get up to 95 or 96 degrees today. Uh, Not going to be a lot of fun, no question about it. Uh, They're saying that the uh, heat indexes are going to be close to 100, so... Uh, air conditioners will be cranking here in the Northeast and uh, we'll be hunkering down, not doing a lot of work outside, but, uh, some guys that were doing a lot of work outside yesterday, the travelers championship, what a finish, what a finish, uh, between Harris English and Kramer Hickok yesterday. It went eight extra holes. Uh, and the crowd, you know, look, Hickok almost had the thing won a couple of times and it looked like he was going to win it uh, with a, a long birdie putt that lipped out on the second extra hole. He had another one late, I think, on the seventh hole or sixth hole, extra hole that just lipped out. Uh, so he was a little bit unlucky looking for his first PGA championship, but both those guys did a great job. Uh, they had to sink some clutch putts late to even get into the playoff. And uh, that eight-hole playoff, by the way, uh, ties for the second longest in tour history. Uh, The last time that uh, a tournament went eight extra holes was back in 2012. Uh, It also was the longest in tournament history. Uh, The previous was seven holes back in uh, 61 and 62 at the Weathersfield Country Club back when it was the... Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open. So uh, that was quite some time ago. But what a great finish. What a great thing for the state of Connecticut. Uh, What a great way to uh, uh, highlight this area and uh, and professional golf. And uh, the crowd was just insane. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun, no question about it. Um, You know, and, and Hickok... And by the way, which I didn't know this, I found out it, he actually is a supposedly a distant relative of the uh, the old Wild West Wild Bill Hickok, uh, the gunfighters. So uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, so and of course, and Nick Fowler yesterday had a lot of fun with the uh, references to shootouts, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, uh, but uh, Mark Leishman, who looked like he might be headed to p- the playoff, they were there were three golfers tied at twelve under. Uh, but the long birdie putt by Harris English, who finished first uh, and forced Kramer to make his to get into the playoff, uh, sent Leishman home. He ends up finishing in third place uh, despite a final round 67. Abraham Answer uh, had a 65 on the last day. He finished fourth. And then a bunch of golfers, including Brooks Kepka, uh, finished tied for fifth 
um, about three uh, three shots back of uh, the two guys that got into the playoff. But a great tournament, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. All right, um, before we get to the Red Sox, beautiful sweep of the New York Yankees over the weekend, we have our first ejection for a foreign substance in Major League Baseball. Well, we knew it was going to happen, and yesterday it was Hector Santiago, left-handed relief pitcher for the uh, Seattle Mariners, and uh, he ends up getting thrown out after the uh, umpires found what they thought was some kind of uh, uh, illegal substance on the heel of his glove. Now, Santiago and his manager, uh, Scott Service, all swear up and down that it was sweat and rosin. But the glove was confiscated, he was ejected, and he faces a 10-game suspension. Now, there is an appeals process. And my question with the appeals process is the following. He says that it's sweat and rosin. Major League Baseball is going to say it's more than that. By the way, the glove was put into some kind of, I guess, of a plastic bag or something to preserve you know, whatever was in there. But my question is, unless they're going to send it to a lab and have it tested, how can the appeals process even work? I mean, you've now put the and and look, I'm all for getting the foreign substances, you know, the the spider tack, et cetera, out of the game. Okay, I'm all for that. So don't get me wrong. But my question is, is if something like this happens, are they going to send it to a lab? Because otherwise, it's it's going to be Santiago's word against the umpires. And you've put the umpires in a position to, to try to determine what a foreign substance is. It's not like the old days with Vaseline or anything like that. I mean, this is a little bit more subjective. And so unless you send it to a lab for testing, I don't know how they're going to figure this out. Um, so we'll find out a little bit more today, I'm sure, as Major League Baseball will weigh in. And, and Santiago has already said that he is going to uh, appeal this suspension. Uh, so, uh, and the Mariners actually won the game, by the way, it was a resumption of a suspended game from Saturday and he came in to pitch because of the resumption of the suspended game. And so, you know, he's bounced the Mariners win the game. Anyway, they ended up losing the second game that day, seven to five, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to be the test case, right? There had to be one. And, and as, as a lot of people have said, if you're Hector Santiago and you truly did use a foreign substance, you are the dumbest baseball player on the planet. It's the first week that they're doing testing. Somebody that gets caught doing this on the first week is a dope. So it either means that Hector Santiago was right and he was it was just rosin and sweat, or he's an idiot and got caught using something he shouldn't be using. Uh <laughs> Don't know what the truth is, but uh, we'll leave that to Major League Baseball and perhaps a lab to figure out. And again, I I don't know how a lab figures this out. Uh, and, and it may simply be that you can't. And it may simply just be that if the umpire says you did, then Major League Baseball is going to agree that you did and you're getting suspended for 10 games without pay. And remember, if indeed this sticks it means that the Mariners cannot replace him on the roster 
So they will have to be a relief pitcher short for 10 days. It's not as bad, I guess, as a starter where you'd miss two turns in the rotation and not have a starter in there, but still, you know, and look, Seattle's still kind of technically in it. I mean, I guess if you want to, you know, split hairs, they're kind of in it. Uh, They could be in it right now. Seattle's in a position where they're almost a wild card team, right? They're seven and a half back of Houston in the AL West, but with their 41 and 38 record, they're actually in wild card position. They've got a better record than the Toronto Blue Jays, a better record than the New York Yankees. Think about that for a second. And the 41 wins ties the number of wins the Indians have. Now, the Indians have five games in hand. They've had a bunch of games canceled. But think about that. Seattle's actually a team that's kind of in the hunt. And and it's a team, by the way, the Mariners have won seven of the last ten. So they're playing well. So this is not going to be insignificant if they do lose Hector Rodriguez for 10 days. And now the question is going to be, how fast will Major League Baseball move on this? So we'll see. But... (laughs) You just knew it was going to happen. And I, you know, I want to believe Hector Santiago, but at the same time, the fact that you got caught and, you know, that there's something you'd you'd think that people would go out of their way to be sure that there's nothing that, that they could find. So he may just be an idiot. We'll see. All right. uh, Let's get to the juicy stuff. Unless of course you're a New York Yankees fan and then this is not juicy stuff. This is, uh, you know, cause for concern. The Boston Red Sox swept the Yankees over the weekend. Now, look, the Red Sox won the first couple of games, and which was great. You know, but going into the last game, you knew you were going to see Garrett Cole the Yankee ace, one of the best two or three pitchers in the American League, a guy who came in with an earned run average of about two and a half. You haven't seen him all season. You figured advantage Yankees to at least take one of the games of this series. Well, Kike Hernandez put a a kibosh to that very quickly. The first pitch he saw in the bottom of the first inning, he hit out of the ballpark. Kike Hernandez hitting at the top of the lineup, who hasn't done squat all year, who came in hitting 225, takes him out on the first pitch. Rafael Devers hits a three-run homer later in the inning, so at the end of one, the Sox are up 4 nothing. J.D. Martinez hits a home run off of him, a solo shot in the third. By the time the third inning is over, the Sox are up 6 to nothing. And Yankee fans are ready to start jumping out of buildings. Eduardo Rodriguez, who came in with an ERA of over six for the Red Sox, who has been absolutely awful last night or yesterday afternoon, was very good. Gave up just five hits in six innings. He did not walk a batter, which you love to see. He struck out eight. You know, the only real blemish, I guess, was a home run that was hit by Aaron Judge in the sixth, a solo shot. That, And by the way, there's nothing, or a two-run shot, there's nothing wrong with that. Aaron Judge has 17 home runs, and Erod made a good pitch. He got it right where he wanted to. He went inside on Judge. Judge did a good job of clearing out the baseball, took it over the left field fence, you know, over the left field wall into Lansdowne Street, and... So it was a two-run shot, and now it's a 6-2 game. That was the end of Erod. They get him out, you know, but again, a solid start, the first one he'd had in a while. Red Sox tack on a few more in the seventh and eighth. 
and this ends up being a route nine two. What was beautiful was you know the Yankees got a, maybe a chance to do a little bit more damage in the seventh inning against Darwin's and Hernandez, who gave up a hit and a walk. So Alex Cora goes back to Garrett Whitlock, who pitched on Friday. He comes in, gets out of trouble, pitches an inning and two-thirds, and lowers his ERA to 1.4 to a guy that was a was New York Yankee property. You know, and that was one of the fun parts of this weekend. As you watch, guys, they paid the Red Sox to take Adam Adovino off their hands, right? Adam Adovino, they wanted him out, so they shipped him off to the Red Sox, and they gave the Red Sox some money to help offset his salary. And Adam Adovino uh, got out of a couple of huge jams this weekend. Garrett Whitlock, who they didn't want anymore after Tommy John surgery, they figured he was done. The Red Sox took him, and uh, he pitched twice in this series and didn't give up anything. I mean, you just it was just a beautiful thing. It really was. Uh, so the Red Sox now have played the Yankees six times this season. The Red Sox have won all six of them. You know, and think, I mean, just remember back to last year when the Red Sox couldn't buy a win off this Yankee team. So the Yankees now back to three games over 540 and 37. The Red Sox are 16 games over 500 for the first time this season. Yankees are six and a half back of Boston. And if you are New York, you know, you have to. You have to wonder, you know, what? where do we go? You know, this is a team that has D.J. LeMahieu, who, by the way, had a great series. He was one of the few Yankees that had a great series. You've got Aaron Judge. You've got Stanton, Urshela, uh, Luke Voigt, who led the major leagues in home runs last year. Uh, I saw somebody on the social media this weekend saying, I want, you know, the Yankees need to go out and make a splash at the trade deadline and get some superstar in there to shake things up. And somebody responded, well, what do you mean superstar? you got guys like John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge and D.J. LeMahieu. These guys are superstars in their own right. D- G- uh, Gio Urshela, who's turned out to be one of the best third basemen uh, in baseball. You know, he's still hitting 270, but he is a great defensive third baseman. This team is loaded. This team should be better than it is. Now, granted. You got Clint Frazier who's struggling. You know, Clint Frazier is a guy that everybody wanted to finally get his opportunity. Uh, He's gotten it this year. He's hitting 187. Your catcher position, now, despite the fact that Gary Sanchez has gotten hot lately, you know, is still hitting 235. You know, uh, Miguel Andujar, not doing much with the bat. Glaber Torres is hitting 240. But you've got legitimate superstars on this team. But what you don't have is a rotation as good as it needs to be, you know, and, you know, so you can, you know, and Garrett Cole has been great, but they haven't gotten what they thought they were going to get out of some of these other guys in the rotation and it's killing them. Their bullpen is really good. You know, now yesterday they threw out Luis Sessa and Chris but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Jonathan Loisica has been really good out of the bullpen. You know, despite the fact that uh, uh, Aroldis Chapman has had a little bit of struggles lately, you know, he's solid as hell back there. You know, now Zach Britton got hurt the other night. That's a killer after just getting him back. But they've got arms in that bullpen. But it's the starters that have not performed. And yesterday in a big spot, their ace, 
couldn't perform, and the Red Sox are now 16 games over 500. It's a beautiful thing. Um, some other Red Sox news. Chris Sale threw to live batters Saturday for the first time since Tommy John surgery um, last March. And, you know, it was just they, they had uh, Michael Chavis and a couple of the guys step in. He threw, I think, 15 or 20 pitches to live batters first time. Reports were yesterday, felt fine, no problems. That's great news. They're going to do it again, I believe, on Wednesday. If that goes well, he'll throw a bullpen on Wednesday and maybe do some live batters on Wednesday. If that goes well, he will probably begin a rehab assignment in the minor leagues next week. Think about that. The first week of July, Chris Sale will probably be in the minor leagues for the Red Sox getting ready to join this rotation, and we could see him in Boston by the end of July, the first week of August. You know, Now, will he be on a pitch limit when he first comes back? Absolutely. It'll probably be one of those things where they'll bring him back and they'll say you got 50 pitches. And if it's three innings, great. If it's four innings, marvelous. But they'll bring him back and they'll work him in slowly, and hopefully by into September, you know, you get into the middle of September, that pitch count number is up to 75, 80, you know, and then maybe by the end of September, they just let him go and come playoff time. And, you know, all indications are this Red Sox team is going to make the playoffs. I mean, it, it things could go horribly wrong, and, and we hope not. But maybe by the time the playoffs come, they've taken the reins off of uh, a sale and they just let him go. And I'm going to tell you what, you know, you, we, we talk about the trade deadline coming up towards the end of July, there is no better trade deadline deal than having a former Cy Young Award winner rejoining your staff ready to contribute down the stretch. It is just, uh, it's exciting as hell with this team, 16 games over 500. And now tonight, the Kansas City Royals come back to town. This is a Royals team that took two out of three from the Red Sox in Kansas City. This is a Royals team that has lost seven of the last ten. And the last time the Red Sox played this Royals team, they were struggling then too, and they got healthy against the Red Sox. Boston has got to send a message here that this is our house. They're starting to play better at home. We just swept the Yankees. They cannot lay an egg against the Royals. They cannot. Has to be two out of three. Um, the concern... Garrett Richards pitches tonight for the Red Sox. Garrett Richards uh, has allowed 12 earned runs in his last three starts. He lasted just an inning and two-thirds his last time out against Tampa. He is a guy that has been very vocal about the how his game has been affected by the lack of being able to use some kind of substance to get a better grip on the baseball. So all he's done uh, since this whole thing started is whine and stink. They need something better out of him tonight. And my concern is is that, you know, he goes out there tonight, can't get you three innings, you're into the bullpen, and that screws you for the rest of the series. We've seen that happen before. So let's hope, you know, and look, this is a guy who's a Major League Baseball pitcher. You can't tell me that, he's only been able to perform well throughout his career and throughout college because he was cheating. Let's hope that this guy is talented enough and he's had enough starts with this whole, you know, change in the way baseball is being played 
so that he can make some adjustments. And the Red Sox are going to see Danny Duffy tonight. Uh, Duffy has been very good. He's made eight starts this season. The lefty's got a 1-8-1 ERA. So, you know, the Sox will have their hands full. But Garrett Richards has got to perform tonight. And if he doesn't and he and he lays an egg, well, then it falls to Nick Pavetta and Martin Perez to win the next two so the Red Sox win two out of three. That's got to happen. Got to. Red Sox, of course, back in first place. It's a beautiful thing. Uh they did that on Saturday. The Rays lose again, or Rays lose yesterday. Excuse me, it happened on Friday. The Rays lose yesterday to the Angels. The Angels come back to win it, and it was the Shohei Otani show. Otani with a uh, a home run, his 25th of the season, a double, and a triple. He was a single short of the cycle. Drove in three runs, and the Angels beat the Rays. Uh, six to four, snapping a five-game losing streak. Something they desperately uh, needed. Shohei Otani now, by the way, forty-six extra base hits this season. Uh, he has been uh, otherworldly. Um, Yarbrough got the start, pitched much better uh, in this start than the last time he. The Red Sox saw him. The Red Sox battered him around a little bit. Pete Fairbanks uh, was the guy that gave up. Uh, uh, the uh, go-ahead hit, Matt Whistler actually gets charged with the loss, but Fairbanks struggled again out of the bullpen. And uh, the Angel bullpen did a great job. Uh, they pitched four innings, gave up just two hits and a run. Uh, Watson gets the win. Tony Watson picks up his third win. Rysel and Glacius got the last four outs, striking out two of them to pick up his 13th save of the season. Uh, the Rays have an off day today. Then they start a series in Washington on Tuesday night where they will uh, send Rich Hill, who is 6-2, uh, to the mound. So uh, the Sox now still in first place by a half a game. And uh, the Blue Jays keep pace. They beat the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. There's a shock. Um, uh, they, uh, they beat them yesterday 5-2. to two. Vlad Guerrero, Jr., Couple of runs batted in, couple of hits. Now hitting 342. Uh, Marcus Semyon with a couple of hits. Kevin Biggio with two runs batted in and two hits. And a, a solid effort. Ross Stripling picked up uh, his first win in his last four starts. Romano picked up his sixth save of the season, and the Orioles just uh, continue to stink. Hey, the good news for the Orioles is kind of cool. Uh, Trey Mancini, who of course has come back from uh, uh, prostate cancer, and uh, uh, has been invited by MLB to participate in the Home Run Derby, and he is all in, which is cool. He's been a great story in baseball. I mean, as bad as the Orioles have been, having Trey Mancini back in baseball has been great. Uh, Mancini didn't actually play in the game yesterday, but he has, uh, you know, he's struggled at times to find his way, but he has also shown signs of, you know, getting back into the swing of things. So it's great. I think so. it'll be fun to see him participate in the Home Run Derby. Uh, the Orioles now get to go to Houston. Good luck. Uh, and the Blue Jays have an off day, and then they have a three-game series at home uh, against the Seattle Mariners, who, who may be missing Hector Santiago. We shall see. It's 29 minutes past. Yeah, we've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour, and welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. 
So before we get back, we've got plenty more baseball to talk about. There's a few things going on around the world of sports uh, I want to talk about. How about this idiot at the Tour de France that caused a massive pileup? A fan that jumped out in the road holding up a cardboard sign, paying no attention to what was going on, and it was... Uh, unbelievable. It, it, I, I think about 30 or 40 riders all went down. People had broken arms, broken legs, uh, as you can imagine, many contusions, abrasions, etc. Et I mean, just idiocy. And the, the, the thing is, is when you look at it, and it was a woman, by the way, right? Usually it's some dumbass guy that's drunk. It's a woman holding a sign. Wasn't even watching the riders. Jumped out and holding a sign. And I think the sign was saying something about hello to grandma and grandpa. Wasn't even watching. And sticks the sign out into the road. And it hits a rider in the face. The rider tries to avoid it. He tips over. And then the dominoes fall. And all hell broke loose. And some of the riders that went down were some of the top riders, and, and they've been eliminated contention in the first stage of the Tour de France. It is unbelievable. Well, word is now that they are searching for this person because they, the Tour de France officials, intend to sue the woman that did this. Um, so... Um, they haven't found her. I, I don't even know if she has been identified, but they haven't found her yet. But you know, in this day and age where her face is plastered all over social media and all over, you know, the international news that at some point somebody's going to rat her out. And it might even be one of those things where the cops or the tour de France offers a reward because that's usually what it takes, right? You know, somebody offers a reward and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Hey, yeah, they're my best friend, but for, you know, $10,000, I'll throw them under the bus. I mean, that's probably what's gonna, what it's going to take. But this person is in big, big trouble. And I saw, look, I saw some things that are like, well, why are there no barriers, you know, put up uh, along the route so that, spectators can't lean out into where the riders are going. Well, this isn't like they're, they're not riding around a 400 meter track. They're riding on roads and it's miles and miles and miles and miles. You know, these, these, this isn't like a one mile sprint. They'd have to put up barriers, you know, in some cases for 50 miles. You're not going to do that. You know, so, uh, you rely on the common sense of fans, which is probably part of your first problem. But and it's kind of probably a miracle. I mean, and this is not the first time that there's been a, some kind of a collision with a rider and a spectator. But it's the first time that it's happened to this degree, this early, and uh, this was just so dumb because the woman wasn't even looking. But, oh, my God. Uh, and by the way, in that first tour, then there was a second pileup um, near the finish that didn't have anything to do uh, with a um, with a spectator. But Jesus, I mean, 
Tour de France was it's a battle of attrition. But yeah, I mean, you know, again, we see it all the time. We've seen, and this wasn't, and by the way, this wasn't like the bad behavior that we've seen in the NBA this year where fans are throwing stuff at players and racial, you know, abuse being thrown or anything like this was just simply some idiot with a cardboard sign wanting to say hi to the folks back at home and, and wiping out half the field. I mean, so, but you know, uh, so anyway, they're going to find her and it's going to cost her and, uh, you know, but you know, they're going to sue her. What are they going to do? You know, I mean, you hate to say this, but it, I mean, it could ruin the woman's life. You know, let's say they win a judgment against her for, I don't know, even if it's $100,000 and she's some student and the courts say, yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to be on payroll deduction for the rest of your life. Every paycheck you get is going to, you're going to have to send half of it to the Tour de France. I mean, how are they going to do this? You know, I, I, they're not going to have, uh, I don't think they're going to have some uh, insurance. Her, her homeowner's insurance ain't covering this one. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, so it's just uh, uh, crazy craziness. Um, and a surprise announcement yesterday morning, uh, Serena Williams, who was in London getting ready for Wimbledon and she was sitting down during a press conference and she said that she is not going to the Olympics. Uh, somebody asked her whether she planned to compete in Tokyo and she said that she's not on the Olympic list. And she said, if I am, I shouldn't be. Cause I'm not going. She said there was a number of reasons that fed into it. And she said, she doesn't feel like going into them today. She said, maybe another day. Sorry. Um, but part of it has to do with the fact that the country is not vaccinated to a large degree. The fact that if she went, she would not be able to bring her three-year-old daughter with her. And her daughter goes with her everywhere uh, because the the, uh, uh, the officials in Tokyo are banning, you know, uh, children from being there, parents from being there. Uh, but now uh, all visitors have been banned to help avoid the spread of the virus. And again, you know, this is this is on Japan. The fact that they don't have, you know, their people aren't vaccinated. It's on them. And I think that played a lot into it. So Serena is, look, she's 39 years old. So this was probably her last chance to play in an Olympics. She's done it before. She's won the gold medal. I think at this point in her career, and, you know, the other part of it is I thought about this. Because she's 39, I don't think it's just about the virus and just about her daughter not being able to go. I think it has to do with, you know what, I'm 39 Getting to a final in a tournament these days is a major effort for me. I don't know how many uh, bullets I have left in the gun, and so I need to spend them at Wimbledon, at the U.S. Open, at the majors, and I need to get myself in a position where I still have an opportunity to win a couple of tournaments before my time is done because her time is rapidly approaching. You know, Now, she could she still play into her 40s? Absolutely. Martina Navratilova played doubles until she was what, 47, something like that. So, I mean, but, you know, her days of being a force in singles is rapidly drawing to a close. So I think that might have as much to do with it as what's going on in Japan right now. So, uh, you know, I, I don't blame her. 
I don't blame her at all. Uh, and I love the Olympics. I can't wait for the Olympics. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's one of those things I look to uh, look forward to all the time. By the way, um, uh, we're going to have a, a special guest. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to work it out. Uh, Jim Forbes, who played on the U.S. Olympic national men's team on the Olympic team back in 1972, the team that got screwed by the referees giving the uh, Soviet Union uh, several chances to win a game that they had lost. Uh, and he was on that team, and it's a team that ended up you know, winning the silver medal because of getting screwed, a team that has never accepted their silver medals and has vowed that they never will. Um, we are uh, hopefully going to have him on with us just before the Olympics. Uh, the Olympics are scheduled to start in a few weeks, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks we're going to get him on. I want to make it you know, closer to the Olympics uh, you know, it's going to be, well, not quite this. It, it won't be quite the, uh, 50th anniversary. It'll be the 49th anniversary of them uh, getting screwed. Uh, but he is now a high school basketball coach down in uh, El Paso, Texas, and uh, just happens to be related, uh, uh, to my wife's cousin, uh, married, uh, Jim Forbes, brother. And so, uh, I've got an in, so we're going to have him on in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun, but I can't wait for the Olympics, but I do not blame, uh, Serena at all. I don't blame anyone who chooses not to go to Japan for these Olympics. I don't. With what's going and we have look, we have seen this coronavirus is no joke. You know, and if you're going to a country that has not taken it seriously, then, you know, you should be concerned in my opinion. You know, now obviously most of the American athletes will probably be fully vaccinated. And so it's, I don't think it's a safety issue as much as it's, well, in a way it is, because if you're vaccinated, you're, you know, even if you get it, it's going to be a, a mild case, they say. Um, but why put yourself in a situation or your three-year-old, well, you can't, she can't take her daughter, but why would you put yourself in that situation? Maybe come back with something and pass it on to your daughter when you get home. Why, why do that? So I don't blame her at all. Uh, the other thing before we get back to uh, baseball news, uh, Nellie Corda won uh, the uh, Women's PGA Championship yesterday uh, at 22 years of age, which is a hell of an accomplishment. And she's uh, her older sister, Jessica, is also on the LPGA Tour. She was in the same tournament. Uh, but uh, Nellie Corda at 22 became the number one ranked golfer in the world with that victory yesterday. It's her third title this year. She becomes the first woman to be the number one ranked golfer in the world in the last seven years. The last time the U.S. had an American uh, at number one was Stacy Lewis back in 2014. The LPGA Tour in the last decade has been dominated by golfers from South Korea for whatever reason. I, I don't know why that is. Uh, Jin uh, Young Ko had been number one for the last two years. So uh, Korda now, and good for her, number one. Uh, by the way, she's also the first American to win a major since Angela Stanford won uh, the uh, Avian three years ago. 
So it's been a good year for Americans on the uh, LPGA Tour. Americans have won six times on tour this season. South Korea and Thailand are next. They have two apiece. But, again, uh, the United States starting to uh, assert itself on the LPGA Tour uh, the way that uh, American men have done for years on the PGA Tour. So nice to see. You know, and this isn't this. I'm this isn't dumping on other countries. This is just a proud American, and, and it's nice to see uh, uh, American golfers uh, winning tournaments here in the United States. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Here we are. We're back. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a. Monday morning. Uh, we will be here tomorrow, and we will not be here on Wednesday. Uh, that's the only day we're going to miss this week, but uh, I have to play uh, RV repairman again. My daughter getting ready to move into an RV full-time. Uh, not something I could do, but uh, she bought a used RV. We've been renovating it, and uh, there's some stuff that I have to take care of on Wednesday. I actually have some people coming that have expertise to do things in the RV that I can't do. So uh, we will not be here on Wednesday. Uh, I have to meet some people at 9 in the morning. So, But we'll be here tomorrow, and we'll be here for the rest of the week, but just no show on Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's get back to some baseball as we wrap things up here on a Monday morning. Uh, the Mets lose yesterday to the Philadelphia Phillies 4-2, to two, and it was their old friend Zach Wheeler, who was, of course, with the Mets for a long time, uh, signed a five-year, $118 million deal back in uh, 2019. Uh, pitched seven innings yesterday, gave up four hits, no runs. Struck out eight, walked two, picked up his sixth win of the season, lowered his ERA to 2.20. Um Marcus Stroman, who had been dealing with uh, a hip issue, there was some thought that maybe he'd end up on the DL, said he was going to be okay to pitch, did go out and pitch yesterday, but he was obviously not right. Three innings, five hits, four runs. He walked three guys. He struck out three. Takes the loss, falls to six and six. Mets bullpen did a great job. Corey Oswalt and Smith, six innings, just uh, five hits, but no runs. Um but Zach Wheeler was just better. Yeah, but there's no question that Stroman was not right yesterday. Uh, Bryce Harper did not play for the Phillies yesterday. He got hit by a pitch by Jacob DeGrom um, on Saturday and uh, was uh, hurting, so he did not play yesterday. The Mets got some, new JD, uh, some news. J.D. Davis, uh, who has a, a left-hand injury, is going to begin a rehab stint today with AAA Syracuse, so he is probably a week away from rejoining that Mets uh, uh, lineup. They really need him to do that. Uh, the Mets uh, have a makeup game today. They will play the Washington Nationals in a game that was postponed in April uh, when the Nationals had their big uh, coronavirus outbreak. So uh, Jared Eikhoff is going to get the start for the Mets today against the Nationals. The Phillies begin a series... Um, later but uh on tuesday but they have a makeup game today as well they have a game against the cincinnati reds a game that was postponed by rain back on june the second uh spencer howard is going to get the start for the phillies today uh so with the loss yesterday by the mets uh their lead in the nl east is four games over washington five over atlanta and eight and a half now over philadelphia Everybody else in the National League East, with the exception of the Mets, is under 500. Absolutely dreadful. And, you know, look, uh, the Braves 
with that great young talent, the Braves, the team that Major League Baseball so desperately wants to do well because they want to be able to keep being, to talk about uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies and those guys. And it's hard to do that when a team is three games under 500. It's the same problem that MLB has had for years uh, with Mike Trout. And they've talked about you know trying to get Mike Trout to increase his vis- visibility and et cetera, et cetera. But it's hard. Mike Trout's visibility, and he's recognized as the best player in baseball, but when your team is constantly awful, it is hard to get people's attention and hold it for very long. Yeah, he can have a big game, and they can sh- and they can show highlights and show what a great player he is, but when your team isn't in the postseason, it makes it hard. Now, Atlanta is a team that's been in the postseason. Atlanta is a team that is supposed to be in the postseason this year, but if the playoffs started now, they're not getting a sniff. You know, you would expect they're going to pick it up, but we've been saying that all year, and it still isn't happening. They're playing 500 baseball over their last 16 games. So it's, you know, it's really hard to see how all of a sudden they're going to turn it on. But, you know, and you wonder if there's any kind of pressure being put on Brian Snitker, the manager down in Atlanta. Uh, You wouldn't think so. I mean, but, you know, with all that talent, you have to wonder. Um, You know, and I, and I, I, Will, with that talent, will the Braves be looking to make a move at the trade deadline? Their pitching has been a bit of an issue, so you wonder if maybe they will go out and try to get themselves a pitcher at the trade deadline. I suppose it is possible. Uh, The Braves did win yesterday, and they did get good pitching yesterday uh, from an unlikely source. Uh, They uh, yesterday threw out Kyle Muller, in uh, made his major league debut uh, as a starter at 23 years of age. Check that. It was his second start, but it picked up his first major league win. He sh- pitched five shutout innings yesterday, only gave up one hit, struck out nine. Uh, and then the bullpen does a great job, only allows one hit over the next four innings. Um, Tyler Molly got the start for Cincinnati. He'd been so good this year. Gave up four runs in six innings. Um, but the Reds, it didn't make any difference. He could have given up one run. They were losing this game. The Reds could manage just two hits uh, off of the Braves yesterday. Uh, uh, so a tough one for the uh, Reds yesterday. So the Braves, three games under 500 with the loss. The Reds fall back to 500 at 38 and 38. Um, big win yesterday for the Oakland Athletics, a win that they desperately needed. They were in danger of being swept by the San Francisco Giants. This Giants team that just continues to amaze. Even with the loss yesterday, still 23 games over 500. But the A's uh, pick up the win yesterday. They beat them 6-2. to um, A solid start yesterday uh, for Cole Irvin. Eight innings, three hits, no runs. He struck out eight, walked two. Uh, they got a couple of runs off of the bullpen. But uh, a, a good performance yesterday by the Oakland Athletics. Uh, six runs on seven hits. And uh, they go to 47 and 33 as they continue to look up at the Houston Astros. Um, now the Astros lose yesterday, but uh, uh, Oakland still two back of the Astros. The Astros inexplicably lost to the Detroit Tigers yesterday. Sorry, Paul Arnold, uh, but uh, the Tigers beat uh, the Astros yesterday two to one. Uh, Jake Odorizzi got the start for Houston, pitched well, five shutout innings, but. Uh, uh, they got a run off of Javier, who walked four guys in an inning and two-thirds for Houston. Uh, so that was kind of ugly. Uh, Scooble, the young uh, uh, 
pitcher for Detroit who shows a lot of promise. Seven innings yesterday, just one hit and one run. Struck out nine, and uh, but does not factor in the decision. Uh, the win actually goes to the bullpen as uh, Gregory Soto pitched the final two innings um, and uh, did not allow a hit or a run, and he picks up his fourth win of the season out of the bullpen. But uh, a good win for the Tigers, uh, but the Astros still on top of the American League West. Uh, the Indians lose yesterday to the Minnesota Twins 8-2, to uh, but that's, uh, that's kind of secondary, I guess, right now if you are a fan uh, of the Cleveland Indians. A horrific uh, collision yesterday between uh, right fielder Josh Naylor and the second baseman Ernie Clement uh, on a pop-up and uh, Naylor had to be carted off the field um, with an air cast and uh, went right to the hospital, uh, and he has a broken bone. Uh, don't know the extent yet, uh, at least as of uh, the story that was in the Associated Press this morning. There was no news as to how bad it was, uh, but it was, uh, it was, I saw the replay, it was just gross. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it did not factor in how this game went. Jay Happ was uh, pretty good for Minnesota yesterday, one of his best starts of the year for Minnesota, six solid innings. Bullpen did its job, and uh, Minnesota won this one easily. Josh Donaldson hit his 11th home run of the season. Nelson Cruz hit his 17th home run of the season, and the Minnesota Twins with a victory. Uh, the Twins still 10 games under 500, still sitting in last place. Actually, they are in a last place tie with the Kansas City Royals and the Detroit Tigers, uh, but that is just a gross division. Outside of the White Sox and the Indians, uh, it has been ugly. Uh, but Minnesota picking it up, you know, and it, it it's not out of the question. They could get themselves back into this. They've won seven of the last ten, so hope springs eternal if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, but uh, uh, you got to send a few prayers out for Josh Naylor because that was an ugly-looking accident yesterday in that game. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you with some music this morning from the great supergroup, the Highwaymen, Johnny Cash, uh, Waylon Jennings, uh, Willie, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. This is called Songs That Made a Difference. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.